Today is Thursday, September 15th, 2022. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Still no arrests by the FBI after a wave of attacks and threats on crisis pregnancy centers. We'll have that story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. You're just not going to get that anywhere else. If you agree with that mission, you can help. Subscribe, give us a rating, share it with a friend. Let's all get through the news of the cray together. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do it. Trey Gons Phillips, Billy Hallowell joining me again today to go through the latest news of the cray that's going on today. And there's a lot. There is a lot. And yeah. some some disturbing news pertaining to Christians too, guys. But how's it going on this uh, Friday, Junior? It's uh, it's moving. It's shaking. We're here. <laughs> oh, it's good. And there's never a shortage of crazy news, right? Like there's always something crazy going on. It's a yeah. it's a big world out there. There's an insatiable. The yeah, there's an insatiable appetite for news. So um, Americans just can't get enough of it. They can't get enough of the clicking. So people are out there trying to satisfy the clickbait monster. But um, hopefully uh, we can get through the chaos today. As I said. Coming up, you guys are going to be covering this uh, just kind of a disturbing poll or survey about Christians. We'll get into the details on that. On the main thing, you've got crisis pregnancy centers. Seems like a benign enough activity until the pro-abortion crowd kind of demonized them and made them a villain and vowed to punish them. But despite all these violent attacks that have happened in 26 states, no arrests by the FBI. Well, Heather Sells has been following this story. She's going to have the latest there on that but first we're going to go through the news today in 90 seconds governor Ron DeSantis's office did confirm that it was them who sent two planes filled with illegal immigrants to Martha's Vineyard yesterday they said states like Massachusetts New York and California will better facilitate the care of these individuals who they have invited into our country by incentivizing illegal immigration through their designation as sanctuary states and support for the Biden administration's open border policies. There are about 50 illegal immigrants on those planes to Martha's Vineyard, and a state senator there said that they had no advance notice to anyone in Martha's Vineyard or Massachusetts that these migrants were arriving. The island is scrambling to respond. Of course, critics are saying, welcome to being a border state. Mike Lindell, the founder of MyPillow, claimed that the FBI confiscated his phone while he was at a Hardee's restaurant. Lindell said, today the FBI, you're going to hear this, you're probably already hearing it in the news, the FBI came after me and took my phone. He said they surrounded him while he was at a Hardee's and they took it and he said that's how he runs his business. He doesn't have a laptop computer. Uh, So we'll continue to follow the developments on that story and that claim from Lindell. Senator Lindsey Graham, he proposed a nationwide 15-week ban on abortions, which protects unborn children capable of feeling pain. You can read about the latest on those stories and more over at cbnnews.com. Well, Billy Trey, that last one, there's it's an interesting debate that's happening with this bill that Senator Graham has put forward because some Republicans are even complaining about it because... They're saying, hey, the timing of this just ahead of the election, you're giving Democrats something to argue about. You're distracting from some of the things that are going on that could really 
help Republicans in this election. Well, the row thing is already the the row thing already gave the Democrats you know a little bit of ammunition, yeah. right? So I think that ship that ship has probably already sailed. It seems like the big debate is over whether or not this should be a state issue, right? If you start if you start introducing national regulations on it, and there's arguments to be made for that. I'm just giving the argument that some critics are making. You're now giving them the fodder there yeah. because you've said it should be a state issue. Whenever it's election season, I think moving forward with any sort of big legislation, if we're talking just politically, is generally not a good idea. Unless it's, you know, the, the left is doing some sort of giveaway, then okay, that'll help them politically. Right. But I think generally speaking, going in with something that's a controversial issue uh, is yeah, not not the best move. So I, I think it just gives the Democrats an opportunity potentially to double down. Uh, like you said, Billy, I know the Roe thing is already kind of uh, decided and that's already factored in. But I think this just gives a little bit more ammunition even closer to the midterms. Right. And, and especially when you have all these other issues going on. We just got news of inflation. The stock market's been tumbling. There's Ugh. all kinds. Of, I know Billy's favorite topic, but there's all kinds of strife out there and things that Republicans could use. And so interesting debate surrounding that, because I don't think anyone would disagree, at least on the right, on the aspects of that bill. I think they would agree with it. So we'll see how that all plays out. But that leads us into our first story, guys. And there's some shocking projections about faith in America from Pew, the well-known research outlet. What are they saying here, Billy? So basically, they are trying to project into the future, and they do this pretty often based on what we currently know, the growth or detraction, rather, of faith. What will faith in America look like in the year 2070? So it's hard to do. You're trying to project ahead. You're trying to look forward. Um, but really, the most daunting and unfortunate part of this process is that Pew is coming forward and saying we are going to see potentially a massive decrease in Christianity and a massive increase in the nuns. Those aren't the Catholic nuns. It's the people who are atheist, agnostic, or who embrace no religion at all. So you're going to see a real growth in that group of nothing. They don't believe anything. They're not sure what they believe. Um, and a real decrease in terms of the people who call themselves Christians. And I think that's an important distinction to make there. Very interesting, obviously concerning to hear those numbers. So what, if anything, that they know is driving sort of the shift that would be away from faith in general. Yeah, and as we talk about what's driving it, some of the numbers, if you go back to 1972, 90% of Americans called themselves Christians. Right now, flashing forward to 2020, that's the most recent Pew data we have, 64% of Americans calling themselves Christians. When they look forward, they are looking at a proportion that ranges between 35% and 54, depending on these different models that they have. Um, so the best case scenario is 54% of Americans in 2070 saying that they're Christians. What what is driving this to your question is generational replacement. It is younger people are being brought up in a crazy culture with media and Hollywood and universities and everybody telling them faith is not true, faith does not matter, be the God of yourself. All of that is actually playing out and you're seeing these younger generations come up and we've seen the polls on Gen Z and millennials. They're less faithful. They're not, they don't believe, right? So those generations are replacing the older generations. And over time, we're going to potentially see that even exacerbate more. So that is what is driving this is the younger generations are replacing the older. And, you know, you're seeing fewer people as a result say they're Christians. What's the potential impact of this down the road? I mean, with less people clinging to faith, the younger generations, I mean, I keep saying this, but it sure feels, Billy, like the Old Testament times when they failed to teach the younger generations all about yeah. God. And then look what happens. 
Well, yeah, there's two issues you have to think about. First is theological. That's the most important. Fewer people are going to be finding out about the truth. Fewer people are going to have eternity. There are fewer people are going to be aligned with the gospel. That's the theological part. What I thought was so interesting about the Pew Report, I want to read this direct line. They wrote, the decline of Christianity and the rise of the nuns may have complex causes and far-reaching consequences for politics, family life, and civil society. So everything we talk about on this show politics, culture, faith, those things are going to be impacted because you're going to have a public voting for candidates, voting for people that is much less Christian. That in fact, if you have 35% of the country saying they're Christian, that is a minority perspective. What happens to religious freedom? What happens to all of these things when you have a society that not only, in light of what you just said, is confused about some of these issues and doesn't know, becomes hostile potentially to yeah. the Christian faith? Well, I think you're seeing it play out. We've talked a lot about moral relativism on this uh, podcast. And when you, everyone has a worldview, they don't like to admit it when they're not Christian and they try to be atheist. They, they don't admit that they have a worldview. But I think we are seeing the consequences of these non-Christian worldviews playing out. The realization of, well, I, I, I don't have any moral underpinning. I don't have any moral standard to point to. I just saw a video yesterday from Idaho, the Idaho government, talking about educating young kids as young as eight on porn literacy and not shaming them and not saying porn's wrong and saying it's, it's okay to do that. I mean, this is the kind of thing that you can justify when you have no moral standard and you realize anything goes and it's just whatever I say and everything is okay, whatever you want to do. I mean, we are very much teetering into that kind of society. We are. And I think we have to we have to think through the implications of that and then be creative and crafty of how we're going to reach people. Because at the end of the day, this actually speaks to the issue we've talked about a lot. We talked with Dr. Michael Brown about this the other day, right? If you don't meet people where they are and change their heart, you're not going to change the culture. A lot of us are fighting that battle at the political level. Great. I'm not saying don't be involved, but you got to change people. And unfortunately, we're looking at projections that show a changed people that will not necessarily align with the gospel message. Mm. Yeah, I mean, Billy, wouldn't you say that some of this is is probably um, some of the blame can fall at the feet probably of a lot of the church, a lot of Christian culture in America, because over the years we've become more comfortable with we want to be seeker friendly. We want to look like the world to, to be enticing to people, to non-believers. So I think a, a, a potentially unintended consequence of that is well, we can water down some of what Scripture says. We'll end up setting aside some of the harsher things because we want to we want to be appealing. And then the reality is, is that if you have a faith and you just set aside all the things that makes that faith it, what it is, it makes it less appealing for people because, like, what's well, you don't really even believe it. If yeah. if you're setting aside these biblical uh, precepts, then if you don't even believe it, why should I believe it? it? Do you think that's playing into some of the some of this shift? Absolutely. I think it's that. I think it's two dynamics that are actually polar opposite, but happening in different groups at the same time. Appeasing the culture, it's that. And then it's also pulling away from culture. Like the other set of Christianity, it's like, we don't want to be a part. We can't be near Hollywood, entertainment, any of it. We're not going to be teaching at college. We're just going to be not there because it's all evil and bad. And that part, that's true. There's a lot of bad things coming out of those arenas, but but if we're not present, how is there any sort of impact at all in those arenas? That's a complicated topic, but I think it's both of those things. Mm, interesting. Yeah. yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on this because as Christians, we have to we have to balance that. We have to have the trust of God's sovereignty and his plan and his purposes on one hand, 
but then also our duty as Christians to follow what we believe God is calling us to do and to try to enact God's values where we can. I mean, we're supposed to do those things. So you, they, they're not mutually exclusive. They can both coexist and we should be pursuing both of those things at the same time as Christians. So, all right, Billy, thanks so much for bringing that story. That leads us into our main thing today. And Christians helping pregnant moms seems like it shouldn't be controversial. Well, they've become now these crisis pregnancy centers, a primary target of the pro-abortion crowd. Elizabeth Warren vowed to punish them. And so despite all of the rhetoric that has come, and then as a result, these violent attacks in 26 different states, still the FBI, even though they say they're looking into it, they have no arrests been made so far in these cases. Well, Heather Sells from CBN has been following the crisis pregnancy centers and all of the violence that has happened to them. And she stops by here, the podcast on today's main thing. Crisis pregnancy centers have been under fire lately. And joining me now to talk about everything that's going on with that and the latest is CBN Senior National Affairs Correspondent, Heather Sells. Heather, thanks for being here. Hey, you're welcome, Dan. Yeah, so what is going on? I mean, this has turned into a very political issue, and I'm sure crisis pregnancy centers did not think that, even though they're kind of related to the abortion issue, which is a hot topic, a very divisive topic, I don't know that they thought they'd be quite in the crosshairs like this. What, what are you seeing here as the latest from these crisis pregnancy centers. Right. Well, I think what's happened is, you know, we had the Dobbs leak, uh, this majority opinion from the Supreme Court on its abortion ruling that came out in May. And ever since then, there has been a wave of attacks against crisis pregnancy centers and pro-life organizations, also Catholic churches. And so we have been reporting on this. And I think it really, in a way, though, Dan, has caught a number of us by surprise uh, because just a couple of days ago, a report came out from the Religious Freedom Institute, and they found out that there have been 60 attacks, more than 60 attacks, on these crisis pregnancy centers and pro-life organizations since the Dobbs leak in May. They also found out that, or cataloged, if you will, that there have been more than 30 attacks on Catholic churches and more than half of those attacks clearly abortion related. So a lot of crimes against pro-life organizations in this country. And now that we're adding it all up and seeing it for what it is, it it's really shocking and it, it's really incredible what is happening right now. You're seeing the Biden administration sort of lean into a few different topics that they view as threats. I mean, he just gave a major speech talking about what he perceived as threats and political ideological threats to the country. But this seems to be a, more than just a spat. This seems to be a consistent um, and pretty widespread a, a rash of violence here against these crisis pregnancy centers. So wh- what are the authorities doing? What is the, what is the federal government doing? What, if they're doing anything, what, what has the response been from authorities? Right. And just to set the stage, we're talking about violent crimes. We're talking about vandalism with threatening messages. Uh, you know, you're not safe. Uh, we're also talking about fire bombings. So, you know, this is clearly uh, serious stuff going on. But what the Religious Freedom Institute is also cataloging, uh, they had a former FBI counterterrorism take a look and they're saying, look, uh, federal authorities are not 
making a, a public outcry about this. There are some investigations taking place uh, with local law enforcement, with the FBI, with the Department of Homeland Security, but you are not seeing federal authorities, you are not seeing um, lawmakers uh, really speak to this issue. The president has said nothing. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was asked to comment on the attacks and basically dismissed them. And the vice president, uh, Kamala Harris, recently went so far as to say that one's faith traditions, one's uh, religious beliefs should not influence uh, one's views on abortion. And so I really can't think, uh, you know, it, it, what, what the Religious Freedom Institute is basically saying, and I think what we're seeing is there is a definite deafening uh, silence around this issue from those in charge and, and also from the mainstream media, Dan. You do see a remarkable lack of interest in what's going on. We talked to um, uh, a center on this podcast a few weeks ago, and they talked about the extraordinary lengths they're having to go to with security because of the threats that you've mentioned here. So what did you find when you went to Massachusetts? Yeah. And let me just add to uh, Dan, uh, as far as uh, any I, we queried the FBI on this uh, there and I asked specifically, have there been any arrests? Do you have any suspects in any of this ca these cases? Uh, the FBI just sent me back a general response and the uh, lead attorney for NIFLA, which is the main uh, association of crisis pregnancy centers, says there's been no arrests so far. So that's mm. interesting as well. Uh, I'm sorry. What was your question, Dan, that you just asked me? Oh. I added a point. Yeah, no problem. Uh, the Massachusetts, you recently went up right. there. I was talking about all okay. the lengths that these centers are going to now that they have to, you know, defend themselves from these possible threats. You got to take any threat seriously. But we don't see that in the media, as you mentioned. But wanted to know what you found when you went to Massachusetts. Right. And so to be clear, uh, these 60 some attacks uh, against pro-life organizations uh, have been happening in 26 states. So we're seeing both blue and red states, if you will, uh, where crisis pregnancy centers are uh, coming under attack. But in Massachusetts, it's especially interesting uh, because there's uh, different layers of hostility, if you will. Uh, at the local level, uh, there are uh, different communities that are looking at uh, ordinances that are going to penalize uh, these pro-life pregnancy centers for what they call deceptive advertising, uh, things along those lines. So that is under debate in a number of communities in Massachusetts, and that's really creating a chilling atmosphere uh, around these crisis pregnancy centers and a lot of concern. And then also in Massachusetts, the attorney general who is running for governor uh, and is the Democratic candidate, so we can safely assume she will probably become uh, the new governor, but she has issued a consumer advisory warning against these uh, clinics, which again, just creates such a chilling atmosphere for them. And she is saying that some of them uh, don't have licensed medical uh, personnel when they're performing medical services, that some of them are being deceptive. And so uh, that is really uh, an incredible situation for these crisis pregnancy centers in Massachusetts to have this pressure at both the local and state level. Interesting that they're being painted in this way. And that's what I kind of meant at the beginning when I said that I don't think that they probably ever viewed themselves being in this situation because which, whichever side of the pro-life, pro-choice issue you stand on, it would seem that people helping you know, young pregnant women with their pregnancies would be a task that everybody could be on board with, even if you're pro-choice, because that would be one of the choices that 
should be available to people. So it doesn't seem like that part of it would be controversial necessarily. But as you're saying, Elizabeth Warren, other people painting them as this sort of villainous sort of uh, vibe and really as being nefarious in what they're trying to do, which I find incredibly interesting. Ha have you talked to any of these um, CPCs and, and gotten sort of a sense as to what, how they're kind of digesting all of them being suddenly viewed as basically the villain? Well, a couple of things. Uh, one is that they are definitely on edge, especially in some of these blue states, and, and they're taking extra security precautions. And so that is a funny feeling for them. And they're also saying, look, we recognize that we've been serving women, serving women and their families, but we really now need to make the case to our local officials and our state officials who clearly don't really understand what we're doing. Uh, I also talked with Mark Rienzi. He is the president of Beckett, which is a major religious liberty law firm in Washington, D.C. Uh, they've been at the Supreme Court a number of times. Um, and he pointed out a couple of pieces which I think are encouraging. One is that the Supreme Court is very strong on the First Amendment and religious liberty. And in particular, there was a case involving NIFLA, this crisis pregnancy center organization a couple years ago, uh, when in California they were being forced to put up abortion signs in their waiting rooms and the Supreme Court rejected that. And so there is great legal precedence for the rights of these crisis pregnancy centers. He was also pointing out to me that, look, we have consumer advertising uh, laws, uh, laws about uh, fraud and deception on the books in most states, including Massachusetts. So if there is a particular case where someone has been uh, deceived, uh, has been a victim of fraud, you know, by all means, uh, these state and local officials should go after them. Uh, he, he's making the case that they don't need extra laws. Uh, and so I, you know, that's an interesting point that, look, if, if there is indeed fraud, well, let's call it for what it is. And the crisis pregnancy centers made the point to me, too, that it would be against their best interests to, uh, for, you know, deceive someone because they're built on trust. I mean, they're not going to have women come hmm. to them in their time of need if they don't fundamentally trust them. How are they responding to all of this? And and how do you see the outlook for these crisis pregnancies? And how do they see it? How do they see things going? forward uh, kind of in this new narrative that's been built around them. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, concerns. Uh, th there, of course, has been a big wave of this violence in the wake of the Supreme Court ruling, which overturned uh, Roe v. Wade. So perhaps it will dissipate some. But there's also concern that as uh, federal authorities, lawmakers and such, the president himself continue to really remain silent on this issue, that it will embolden these uh, criminals, that they will think we can get away with more. And the religious freedom experts that I'm talking to say, uh, this is what we see around the world. When authorities stay quiet, when they are in effect complicit, if you will, to some degree, uh, then it just emboldens these criminals. So that's the concern. All right, CBN's Heather Sells, thanks for dropping by here for a few minutes, shining a light and continuing to shine a light on this story that a lot of the mainstream media seems uh, to be ignoring. So thanks for being here, Heather. Appreciate it. You're welcome, Dan. All right, Heather, thanks so much for stopping by the podcast here and breaking that all down for us. And you can catch Heather's original reporting on this issue on tomorrow's episode of The 700 Club.
Well, that leaves us with time for one last thing today on the podcast. And Trey, we're going to head over to Philippians 4. Yeah, you know, I think in a world that is, we're so bombarded constantly with with all kinds of news, and a lot of it can be really heavy and discouraging. I think these words from Paul in Philippians 4, 8 uh, are really encouraging. He said, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I think that's just a good metric to keep in mind, not only for what we're thinking about, uh, but what are we sending out into the world? What are we promoting? What are we talking about and sharing on social media even? Are it are they things that meet this standard? Yeah, a great point, because we're also seeing that politics alone is not the answer. Yeah. I, th- I think we're seeing that now. If you're a Christian, you're it's, it should be coming, I think, a little more clear that yes, politics sometimes are going to overlap with your faith and you can align with those when you see them and support certain people who are supporting your values. But it's not the ultimate answer and it's never going to be. And I I think what you were talking about right there in in Philippians 8, right before that, talks about the peace of God. That's a famous verse. And of course, do not be anxious about anything. So you put those two together. Hey, don't be anxious. You know, trust God. The peace of God will be with you. And then let's focus on the answer, which is the truth, what's honorable, what's just, what's pure, what's lovely. Let's go through those things. Let's put those things up and point people towards those. I think those truths will speak for themselves. And look, I keep saying gird your loins because it's going to be challenged. But at the end of the day, all you can do is speak truth and love, be bold with it, and then dust your sandals and move on if if uh, they're not going to accept that message. So... All right, that's no, all. Absolutely. Yeah, sorry, that's sorry, Trey. That's uh, that's all the time we have for the podcast today. As always, head on over to cbnnews.com, faithware.com for more news from a Christian perspective. God bless. See you back here tomorrow.